0: healing conversations about mental illness. Season three of this podcast is sponsored by the Charles E. Kubli Foundation, which supports efforts to reduce the stigma of mental illness. We are solely responsible for podcast content. Hi, Terry. Hello, Bridget. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a rainy day in the Northwest today. I think that's a common theme. <laughs> So, uh, so, so perfect setting to talk about depression. And I want to ask you to sort of do a a word association sort of stream of consciousness exercise here. Tell me what words you associate with the word depression. Huh? With the word depression, dark, Mm -hmm. which was a good segue from the weather. You were right. Empty, Hmm. sad, Mm -hmm. hopelessness. Definitely. And despair. Comedy wasn't on your list. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> nope, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I am asking for an actual reason, because today's guest is both a mental health advocate and a comedian, and he uses his life experiences to start the conversation. Hmm, interesting. Today we are talking to Frank King, who has been a stand-up comedian for more than 30 years and a writer for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And Frank, that raises the question, how does someone who makes a living in comedy come to speak about depression and suicide they seem very different
1: oh come on what you want to ask is just exactly frank how are you qualified to do (laughs) this that's right what are your bona fides or bona fides a couple things number one i believe a comedian is a good choice to speak out on almost any issue and i'll tell you why because the comedian's job since the middle ages since the time of the court jester has been to speak truth to power on behalf of the powerless. And in my case, I believe that as a comedian, is that part of my personality? I speak the truth of mental illness on behalf of those who are often powerless in its grip. Uh, number two, the center of depression for me and probably for other people was a sense of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt, as hopeless. And where there's humor, there's hope. Where there's laughter, there's life. I believe nobody dies laughing.
0: And then the third leg of that stool is what Frank calls generational depression and suicide. Both his grandmother and great aunt died by suicide. And then in the heart of the recession, Frank neared that fatal line himself.
1: My wife and I lost everything we'd worked for for 25 years in a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And I came very close um, People always ask, why didn't you pull the trigger? And the reason is, is a lot of people think that when you are suicidal, that your rational brain, your rational mind is completely gone. I suppose in some cases that's true. But in my case, I knew I had a million dollars in life insurance. So what I didn't know was how long I'd had the policy, because in every life insurance policy, there's something that is um, colloquially called the suicide clause. So the rational part of my brain refused to let the irrational part of my brain in my life And leave my wife not only heartbroken, but destitute. So I called up my life insurance agent. And I offhandedly asked him somewhere in the conversation, hey, how long have I had the life insurance policy? He goes, I don't know. I'll check. Starts clacking away on the keys. He comes back and he says to me, no, don't do it. Hmm. He he realized that I wasn't just calling to find out how long I'd, I'd had the policy. I was calling to get permission to end my life. Later, things had gotten marginally, I mean, very marginally better. And we, you know, um, we both soldiered on.
0: Frank not only soldiered on, but he began to speak publicly about mental illness, including a TEDx talk.
1: I do have something to say. I, I can make a difference. You know, and then I've been, as I began to research and find out, you know, 39, 40,000 people a year in the U.S. in their lives by suicide, and 2,400 college students attempt it, you know, three a day every day die by suicide. I realize, unfortunately, there's a rather large niche there that's not being served. There are people out there who don't realize that there are other people out there who have the same thought process.
0: And guess why? Because nobody talks.
1: You got to start the yeah. conversation.
0: So that's what Frank and I did. We had a conversation about depression, about the meds we take and the difference they make, And who to talk to about your struggles. How sharing our stories helps other people do the same. And lots of other things. In other words, we talked about our experience of depression. The way two people might talk about their experience of the weather. Two people who know a lot about the bottom of the well.
1: And I believe that's powerful because it's a fellow traveler. Somebody who speaks the same language. Somebody who's not likely to say, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. There's a story about a guy who's down in a well. And he can't get out. He fell down and he can't get out. He's, he's, I mean, he's not physically injured, but he just can't. There's no way out. So a family member comes by, looks down, and goes, oh, man, that's awful. Um, I think you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Walks on. <laughs> you know. And a friend comes by, basically says, you know, you need to go take a hiking vacation in the Alps. <laughs> then a stranger walks by, looks down, goes, oh, okay. Crawls over the lip of the well, goes hand over hand down as far as he can, then drops to the bottom. So now he's trapped. Mm-hmm. and the fellow who was in the well at first place says to so what are you doing? He goes, I'm here to help you, here, here to help you get out. He goes, how can you help me get out? You're trapped down here with me now. He goes, yes, but I've been here before. I know the way out.
0: You see, there can be great comfort in talking to and hearing from a fellow traveler, someone who can say, I know, Right. And really mean it. Someone who not only understands and lives with the reality that depression, while sometimes debilitating, is common and treatable, and that those of us who have it are not less than, or broken, or weak, hardly.
1: And I, I've told several people who you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mm-hmm. turn that frown upside down, you know, just get over it. <laughs> so uh, depression helpful. is, yes. yeah, depression is now fashionable. You need to uh-huh. choose joy. If you, I said, if you could just. Spend an hour Mm -hmm. in my head Mm -hmm. someday to see how deep and dark that hole is and how, again, for me, it's just a hopelessness. Just why bother? And yet,
0: the vast majority of us, the vast majority of the time, get up in the morning, take care of ourselves and our responsibilities, both family and work. We suit up. We show up. And the people around us have no idea what is going on in our heads and our hearts or the effort involved in pretending nothing dark is. But there's a danger in that. Ignored and untreated, depression can have fatal consequences.
1: You know, we just had the 16th anniversary, I guess, of the 9-11 attacks where 3,784 people passed away. Mm -hmm. Well, 39,000 people die by suicide in the U.S. every year. That's 10 times as many every year. I mean, the Ebola whatever remember that the ebola epidemic yes i mean hospitals spent millions um you know uh, ramping up to taking all the ebola victims and i think and it, it was tragic for the folks who died sure. but we don't need to prepare for epidemics that might happen exactly we need, we need to pre- Got one we're, <laughs> we're ignoring yes we got raging uh epidemic but i think talking about depression suicide out loud sort of the last taboo as we say down south you don't talk about it polite company yeah, um because I believe that depression, suicide, mental illness, are sort of in the position that alcohol and drugs were 50, 60 years ago, where people believed, a slice of the population believed, that if you were a drug addict or an alcoholic, it was a character flaw. It was a moral failing. Uh, of course, we have, most of us, most all of us, have come to realize it's a disease. I think the, that mental illness still hasn't made it over that hump.
0: And that's why coming out from behind the curtain, revealing our whole selves, including our mental health struggles, can be the start of a healing process, not just for ourselves, but for the people who are hearing our stories. It's the whole premise behind this podcast and the proven most effective way to fight the stigma that keeps us isolated and afraid to ask for help.
1: Well, when I speak, I'm hoping that I will give other people cover to speak. Uh, in other words, they, they hear me speak and perhaps their spouse or significant other or, or parent doesn't realize that they are battling this illness. So, I think by starting the conversation and coming out myself, and as my wife would say, standing in my own truth, mm-hmm. it it hopefully gives people it empowers people to, to do the same. You know that you know somebody says, well, you know that what that young man was talking about. They say, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I never, never told you this before, but I, you know, I feel like the permission fairy. Yes, I'm giving people permission to give voice to these things, especially if you're well-adjusted. You know, there's a there's a double-edged sword to being high-functioning and battling a mental illness because people have trouble believing, mm-hmm. really, you? Yeah. But, um, you know, there's also the flip side of that, which is, well, if he has issues as well adjusted as he appears to be then right you know then other people have cover again cover to mm-hmm. come out and go yes i am well adjusted but i work very hard We're very hard at that.
0: to appear that way yes
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah every morning i get out of bed there's a rock and a hill sometimes a rock is big and the hill is steep sometimes a rock is small and the hill is not so steep but it's always that way when i get out of bed <laughs>
0: So comedy, I, I remember a therapist saying to me, you use uh, your humor as a coping mechanism, but it was not said in a, in a pat yourself on the back way you have found something that works. You know, it was sort of like, you're obviously not dealing with this reality. And I thought, you know, as, as coping strategies go, one of the healthier choices, um, what is your overlap with comedy and depression? And you mentioned in an earlier conversation that you think a lot of comedians, uh, or performers also battle depression.
1: Yes, but I think it's because of the way our brains are wired or miswired. A lot of art has its beginning in pain. And so there's an energy in that pain. And tragedy plus time equals comedy. So in my promotional material, I've got self-medicating with comedy since the fourth grade. I believe my minor superpower Given to me, the upside of my depression is is the way my brain is wired. The way I the way I'm, I tend to ruminate. Are, you know, the, the bit I go over bits backwards and forwards and change things, and I, I I rerun those them in my head, and I rerun conversations in my head, and I pre run conversations in my head. And I think it's the you know the ying and the yang. I think with every almost every disability, there is some ability if you look hard enough. Something you've been given.
0: I think that's fascinating because I seldom uh, give it credit for any positive (laughs) thing in my life
1: i know well you know it's hard to find i I didn't come to that conclusion easily
0: so let me just ask one last question if in terms of a a takeaway message what have you come to understand or realize about depression that makes it easier to live with
1: uh well you can
0: <laughs> i'm on Lexapro myself but i've gone yeah. that route too
1: <laughs> and i i gotta admit i didn't start taking prescription medication until i was 60. it wasn't like i was desperate but i my wife goes look you're 60 for guy's sakes, just mention it to your doctor and then after i got on the well i'm like what the hell was i waiting for yeah
0: <laughs> I hear you. When when I started Wellbutrin, I remember uh you know at some point, I can't remember, you know how many days or weeks into it it was, but I was in a car as a passenger and I said, "I think I'm really tired. I think I think I'm going to close my eyes while we drive." And then I was like, "No, I'm not tired. I slept well." And I said, "Oh my god, I think this might be what normal feels like." You know, I just thought, "Is this?" And I then I realized what an enormous advantage people without depression had over me in performing tasks in a given day if that was their starting point as opposed to being in a hole and having to climb out to start
1: yes uh the well butrin after three weeks i actually had a thought unbidden that i hadn't had since i was in high school it just bubbled up and the thought was i like my life
0: so we need to pause for a second to make something really clear We are not advocating for any specific drug or the use of antidepressants in general. We just want to make the point that whatever you do to manage your mental health, including the oddly overstigmatized use of medication or seeing a therapist, there is no shame. It's called taking care of yourself.
1: Find the right combination. And it doesn't have to be just medication. Some, you know, could Mm -hmm. be a multi, Mm -hmm. could be a holistic approach where it's medication, it's meditation, it's exercise. So... It's not just a pharmaceutical approach, right? Or sort of a um, multi-dimensional, you know. Because people say, "Well, exercise reduces stress," not if you hate to exercise,
0: (laughs) and not if you can't get out of bed. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yes, Lord, yes, and that's what I tell people. Well, you know, how can you not get out of bed? You know, you turn, you turn sideways, put your feet on the floor. Right. I go. It's not that. It's um, and there have been days Mm -hmm. where my only goal in life, not for the day, but for life, was to get out of bed um uh, put on my shoes put one foot in front of the other until after it was time to social acceptable time to go back to bed
0: <laughs> okay thank you again and i appreciate the smiles this morning
1: oh yeah it's been a ball
0: i love the way that frank um acknowledges that we each have a story and that by sharing that story it helps us and it helps everybody who hears it And again, we keep saying, if you're not ready to share or willing to share or able to share your story, share ours. The point is just to start the conversation. And once you can say to somebody, hey, you know, we heard these two sisters, you know, on their podcast talking about some aspect of depression, and they can say, as Frank said, I've never told you this before, but. I heard you on the news last week say that the conversation can start or maybe even should start with ourselves. True. And tell ourselves our story. Tell ourselves our story and ask ourselves a question. How are you doing? You know, check in with yourself and see, you know, because if you can kind of make some adjustments or take care of yourself at the stage where you're just starting to get off centered, there are times I think, you know, there are times it takes us out at our knees and we all know that, but there are times we can limit its effect by getting out ahead of it a little and eating better and sleeping more and, you know, being either alone or with people, whichever feeds us and stabilizes us. Exactly. Yep. Nourishes us. Nourishes us. Nice. And Bridget, I have to thank you because as we talk about the importance of having someone to talk to and someone we can trust, you are that person in my life. And I really do appreciate it and always have. And I always will be there for you, Terry. Thank you. And and me, you. Uh, you are every day. I know. I Thanks. know. Thanks. And we wish that for every single person listening, that if you... Find and have someone you trust and you can be honest with. And if that has to be a community, a Facebook community, uh, find ours, the Giving Voice to Depression on Facebook. If it's, uh, you know, a hotline, call it. It doesn't have to be the person next to you, even though that would be really a wonderful thing if it could be. Mm -hmm. And there's support groups. There's lots of there's lots of vehicles. It has to be cultivated, though, I think, if, if you're not lucky enough to have it. We hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.